and verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. I have preached on the power of repentance. I have talked about the power of forgiveness. And tonight I'm going to speak and talk about the power to forgive ourselves. Amen. And I'm thankful that God gives us that. Amen. How about you? Amen. Why don't we lift our hands and ask God's anointing and blessings to be with us in this place tonight. We love you, Jesus. Let your power and your glory, let your spirit be manifested in this place, Jesus. Amen. We love you, Jesus. Come on, let's lift our voices and just love the Lord. Come on, let's lift our voices and love the Lord for a little bit in this place. We love you, Jesus. Amen. We haven't done this yet, so why don't you reach over to somebody beside you and connect your faith with their faith just for a moment. Prayer the, pray the prayer of faith together. In Jesus' name, let your power, let your glory, let your anointing, let your spirit be manifested in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Before you're seated, step across the aisle and shake somebody's hand and tell them you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Excited to have uh, Hannah and, and William, is that right, William? Back with us tonight, amen, amen. We want them to feel welcome in the house of the Lord, hallelujah. There is nothing greater than repentance, True repentance changes our lives. How many thankful that true repentance changes our lives? Amen. No matter what we've done, no matter the past, what the past looks like, no matter the sin we are still trying to hold on to, we are promised that if we will confess our sins and repent, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are you thankful for that? If you're thankful for that, lift your hands and just love him for a moment. Amen. We have learned that repentance is not regret. Repentance is not remorse. And repentance is not being sorry we got caught. 
But repentance is a change of thoughts. It's a change of words. It's a change of deeds. And it's a change of direction. Repentance is not living in condemnation. I'm thankful for that. We know that condemnation is a lie of the devil. And it's different than conviction. Conviction is God dealing with us in the present. And as I said last Wednesday, I want God's conviction in my life because that means he has not given up on me. Amen. I'm thankful for the power of repentance. We've also learned uh, that there's an element of repentance we often overlook. It's not just God forgiving us, but it's also us forgiving others. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, If ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Amen. And so we know that true repentance means forgiving others. True repentance means relinquishing every grudge. It means crucifying every trace of bitterness. Sister Tish, how did you how did we put that when we were talking the the root? What what did you say that was? A bitter root. I don't want a bitter root in my life. I don't want a bitter root to start growing. You you that garden, you that plant, you that uh, uh, till the soil, know that you got to keep those those bad roots out. You got to do a little. You just can't uh, 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 water and, and and fertilize and every and things like that. Sometimes you got to get down on your hands and knees, Sister Dorothy. And you got to pull some weeds out, don't you? That happens in the spirit. We have to crucify every bitter root all traces of bitterness we've got to forsake unforgiveness and we've got to put away the impulse for revenge amen amen that's a hard one forgiveness when we forgive others we understood last Wednesday that that doesn't mean we allow uh, abusers or evildoers or persecutors or those that have hurt us back into our lives, it means that, that, that we relinquish the grudge, we crucify the bitter root, we forsake uh, the unforgiveness, we, we give up the impulse to, forget, to, to, to exact revenge, and it means that we let God handle it. I'm thankful God can handle any problem. I'm thankful that God can handle any situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what I learned a long time ago? God don't need my help. Amen. He's pretty good at doing things all on his own. And when we do that, we become partakers of the power of forgiveness. And I'm thankful for that. And so tonight we're going to talk about the power to forgive ourselves. And that's a hard one. Forgiving of ourselves is, is a challenge that you and I, we all have to deal with sometimes in our life. Because we all live with this 
this feeling of guilt or this feeling of remorse or this, uh, uh, this conscience that God has placed in us for something that we have done. Um, we've spoken harshly to somebody else. We've, we've uh, uh, used somebody wrongly. We, we, we've hurt somebody unintentionally or uh, intentionally. Whatever it might be, even though that we, we have forgiven them or they have forgiven us, and even though that we have repented and we understand uh, uh, that God uh, cast our sins as far as the east is to the west, He puts Him in the sea of forgetfulness. It's hard for humanity to put aside the guilt that we have often in our lives for things that we have done. Many accept the forgiveness of God and they forgive others, but often they struggle with forgiving themselves. Amen. And somehow we must find a way to overcome the guilt of the past. We must find a way to live in the victory of the present. I want to live in the victory of the present, not the guilt of the past. How about you? Because God wants us to be powerful. God wants us to be overcomers. God wants us to be more than conquerors. Hallelujah. He wants us to rise above our enemies. He wants us to be the head, not the tail. He wants us to be above, not beneath. Hallelujah. And sometimes it's hard to do that when we are living in the past and we can't see the present victory that God wants to bring into our lives. And we have to find a way to forgive ourselves. I believe God is going to help us with that tonight. Hallelujah. So I want to share with you two examples of men in the Bible, and I'm sure there are more, who needed the power to forgive themselves. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 12, the Lord spake to the prophet Nathan, and he said, I want you to go to King David. And the prophet went to David and he began to tell him a story of a rich man and of a poor man. He said the rich man had many flocks and many herds, but the poor man had nothing but one lamb. The poor man and his children loved this lamb. They loved it so much, the scripture says this, it ate the same meat as they did. It drank from the same cup and it lay in their bosom. I like animals. But I'm not drinking from the same cup. <laughs> I'm not eating the same meat. That's how much they loved this little lamb. 
But one day, Nathan told David that someone came to visit the rich man. And instead of him feeding his visitor from his own flock, the rich man took the poor man's lamb and dressed it and fed it to the visitors. This made David mad. And he said the rich man should be punished. In fact, he said this, he should surely die and restore the lamb fourfold. The prophet Nathan would tell David in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and 17, Thou art the man. That's what he would say. He would go on to say, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king of Israel and delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives unto thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if it had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. God was simply telling David, you know what, what I gave you was enough. And if it wasn't enough, I've got the wisdom to give you more. I would have gave you such and such, and I would have gave you this and this. But what I gave you was more than enough. We need to be content with what God gives us. We need to be content with what God blesses us. I don't want to look at somebody else and say, I wish I had their car. I don't want to look at somebody else and say, I wish I had their home or their possessions or I wish I had this and that. You know what? I want to look at what God gave me, Brother Jones, because it's enough. And if it wasn't enough, he would have given me more. But David wasn't content to having what God had given him. He wasn't content in having his master's house and his master's wife and, 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 and being ahead of the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It was a time when kings should have been in battle. Amen. And he desired something and wanted something that he shouldn't have. Amen. Be careful. That's just a word from the Lord for somebody in this place. Be careful. Verse 9 says, Nathan said, Wherefore hast thou uh, despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and had taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. David had committed a grievous, grievous sin. Not only did he, he, he take the wife of Uriah the Hittite, but he allowed him or caused him, he put him to death. Put him. We know the scripture says that he put him in the forefront of battle so that he would be killed. 
This bothered David. When God revealed this to David's spirit, it bothered him. And we read David's prayer of repentance in Psalms chapter 51. I'm not going to read it, but I would encourage you to write it down because it's a powerful prayer of David's desire to get back to the place that God had, had he once was and he prayed. We know the scripture says that he prayed that the Lord would uh, 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 purge him and wash him and cleanse him and, and, and not take his spirit away from him. It, it, it tells us and lets us know that David wanted God's forgiveness. But if we will look a little bit deeper in this, this prayer that David prayed, we will also understand that David didn't just want God's forgiveness. He wanted his conscience to stop condemning him for his sin that he had committed. David had trouble forgiving himself. So he prayed this in Psalms chapter 51 and 12. He said this, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. What David was asking when he asked God to restore him, restore the joy of his salvation, and when he asked God to uphold him with a free spirit, he was asking God to put it within him the power to forgive himself. He knew that God would wash him with hyssop and he could be clean. He knew that God would purge him and make him white as snow. He prayed, God, don't, don't take your spirit away from me. He knew that God would do all those things, but that wasn't enough uh, he said, God, I want you to do something else. I know you're going to forgive me. And I, I thank you for forgiving me. And I, I know you are faithful and just. You're going to wash me and cleanse me. But I got something going on in my conscience, in my mind, in my spirit that I can't deal with. So he said, this is what I want you to do, God. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Hallelujah. There's something about being restored in joy. There's something about being restored in joy of the Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that God not only forgives us, but he brings back joy, peace, contentment hallelujah he brings those things back you know what because of a lack of joy in our lives because of a lack of contentment in our life a, a, a lack of these this peace that that we ask God you know what if we don't have those things in our life our minds our conscience the things that we have done they are going to stand as a testimony ever before us of the mistake that we have made. 
So David said, restore the joy of my salvation. I need the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I'm thankful for the joy of the Lord. But he also said, restore me, withhold me, uphold me with thy free spirit. Hallelujah. You know what David was saying? God, release me from this sin debt. Release not over uh, only uh, uh, this iniquity that I found myself into, but purge it from my mind and my heart and my life. Hallelujah. There's something powerful about a free spirit. A free spirit doesn't care about anything. A free spirit don't have sleepless nights. A free spirit doesn't sit around and worry about what happened in the past and and, and live the curse of the past and not step into the victory of the present. A free spirit does not live in bondage. A free spirit does not live in condemnation. A free spirit does not live in fear. Hallelujah. And he was praying, God, give me a free spirit. I want God to give me a free spirit. I want to sleep at night. I don't want to worry about the mistakes I've made. I don't want my past to constantly be in the back of my mind, in the back of my heart, and the things that I have done. No, no, no. God, you wash me in your blood. You cleanse me. You cast them things as far as the east is from the west. So give me back my joy. Give me back my peace. Give me back my victory. Hallelujah. Give me back my peace of mind and let me have a free spirit. Not a spirit that's encumbered by fear and doubt and unbelief. Not a spirit, hallelujah, that is consumed by guilt and condemnation. But a spirit of freedom and power and victory. wanted me to tell somebody today he spoke to me when I was praying early this morning and he was saying he simply wanted us to understand God I've forgiven you I've washed you in my blood now turn that around and start praying for restoration it was not easy for David to do but he did it He found a way to have the joy of the Lord and a free spirit. And this is how David found the strength to forgive himself. And that's how you and I will find the strength to forgive ourselves. It's not easy. It wasn't easy after David had committed these sins. His house would be in turmoil. We know the story. A son would try to take his throne. 
another son would ravage his sister. His house would be turned upside down. He would not be allowed to build the dwelling place for God that he desired to. But God wasn't finished with David. He would continue to reign as king over Israel. History says that David was between the age of 55 and 58 when this great sin happens. And history also says that he would reign until he was 70. And that he would also, the scripture says, be remembered as this. Not as a sinner, but he would be remembered as a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. That's how I want to be remembered. I want to be remembered as a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. It may not be easy. I want you to understand that. It wasn't easy for David to move on. From the mistake that he made. And it wasn't easy for him uh, to see all the things. This is what my brother told me one time. We, we get this so messed up. And when he told me this, it, it just opened so much in my, in my mind and my heart. We talked about planning and sowing and reaping and rewarding. And all these things that, that happen in our life. And we think sometimes... Just because we're serving God and, and, and we're living for God and we're going to church and we're doing all the things that we should do, that we are not going to reap anything that we have sown. We will. And that's what my brother told me. He said the hardest thing that I had to understand after I got back in church was I was going to sow the things that I had reaped when I was living for the world and living for the devil. I said, what did you do? That don't sound very hopeful. What, where would you go from there? He said, what I tried to do and started to do was plant more seed. To counteract all the bad seed that I had planted. And he said, I wanted to plant a bumper crop, Brother Gresham, that would, that would spring up so in abundance that it would choke out and destroy all those bad things that I had done in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what God wants us to do. Hallelujah. He wants us to, he wa he's got a calling for us. He's got a mission for us. And just because you made a mistake, just because I've fallen, just because I, I, I've, I've I've fallen short of the mercy and the grace of God. Let me remind you of this. The Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And if God can forgive us, if we can forgive ourselves, the church needs to move into the place. This is what the Apostle Paul talked about. We need to move into the, the, to the place of, of a restoration and preach the ministry of reconciliation. That's the reason why some people don't want to come back to the apostolic Pentecostal church is because we're going to judge them for the mistakes that they made. We're going to hold it against them because they backslid and came back. We're going to hold it against them because they had a fault and a failure. Just remember, they got caught. You didn't. Hallelujah. And if we will restore them, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
We will restore them. God wants not only to restore us, restore the joy of our salvation. Not only does he, we ask him to hold us up with a free spirit, a free spirit that's encumbered, that's not encumbered with any doubt and unbelief and, 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 and guilt from the past, but a spirit living in the victory of the present. If we will do that, if God will do that for us, we got a commandment. We got to do it for others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that He gives us the power to forgive ourselves. Amen. I wish we'd lift our hands and just love the Lord in this. When I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. I believe God wants some people to walk out of this place restored in joy and victory and power and anointing. And I believe God wants some people to walk out of this place with a, a held up by him with a free spirit. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus had finished his last Passover meal with his disciples. And they had went to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said unto them, All of you shall be offended because of me this night. Peter would boldly speak up and say, Not me, Lord. I will never be offended of you. Jesus would look at Peter and say in Matthew chapter 26 and 34, Verily I say unto thee, that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me three times. We know this story well. That same night, Peter set, the Bible says, without, without the without this uh, uh, with on the outside excuse me of the palace and while he was on the outside of the palace he was asked are you not with Jesus of Galilee and he answered no I don't know him he moved from where he was there and relocated him to a different place and somebody else walked up to him and said Aren't you one of them? And he says, no, I'm not a part of that crazy group. He left that place trying to find a place where no one could see him. And somebody else walked up to him and said, you're one of them. You got to be. 
Your speech is betraying you. You sound like one of them. Three times, three different individuals, three different places, he was asked, are you with Jesus? No. Are you one of them? No. Are you a part of that group? Finally, the scripture says that he began to rage and he began to curse. And he began to scream. And he said, leave me alone. I know not that man. Matthew chapter 26 and 75 says, And Jesus and Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Like David, Peter had committed a gravest sin. Boastful, arrogant Peter, the first one to say, I will never be offended of you, was the first to deny him and be offended. He was the first one that would say, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. I know nothing about him. The scripture does say this, he went out and he wept bitterly. Like David, Peter wanted the forgiveness of God, but he also wanted his conscience to stop condemning him for his sin. And like David, he could not find a way to forgive himself. Man, we got to find a way to forgive ourselves. We got to find a way to let go. We know that Peter wept bitterly. We know that in that weeping, no doubt, he prayed for forgiveness. We don't have the words that Peter prayed like David did. But I believe that he would have prayed something that was akin to David's prayer in Psalms chapter 51. And he would pray, God, I know that you have forgiven me. I know that you have washed me in your blood. I know that you have cleansed me. But somehow I've got to free myself from this condemnation, this condemning, this guilt, this conscience that is ever before me. And the sin is present. I wish the scripture would tell us what happened. We only see the outcome of what happened. After the crucifixion of Jesus, as he lay in a borrowed tomb, they went to anoint his body for the burial. And they find the tomb empty. And they see a man clothed in white. And he says to them, be not afraid. He is risen. He is not here. And the man in white, clothed in white, said this. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, 7. He says, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter. 
you know what Jesus was telling Peter? I'm going to give you some power that you need. I'm going to give you something that's going to strengthen you and anoint you. I'm going to give you something more than just a, a, a free conscience and, 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 and a freedom from the sin. Oh, Peter, we know you're boastful. Oh, Peter, we know you were the first that would be offended. We know that you denied him. Oh, we know that you went out and wept bitterly. And I wish we had had a, a script of the prayer that, uh, that Peter prayed. And I know it was a prayer of forgiveness, but it was also a prayer of God, take this, take this conscience that is condemning me away. Hallelujah. And when they gave the testimony, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go back. I want you to tell the disciples, but I want you also to tell Peter, hallelujah, tell Peter that he goeth before you unto Galilee. Tell Peter, there shall you see him as he said unto you. Go tell Peter, I'm not finished with you, Peter. Go tell Peter, hey, buddy, you still got the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I'm not finished with you yet. Hallelujah. I'm not finished with you yet. Hallelujah. Peter having the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He would preach the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. After the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Because he found a way to free himself from this conscience of, condemn, of, of condemnation. He found a way to free himself from this guilt that he was carrying. Oh, it's easy to find repentance. It's easy understanding God is going to wash us in His blood. It's easy that He's going to cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. But it's hard forgetting and not living in that guilt of the past and finding a way to live in the victory of the present. That's what God was telling Peter. Release it, Peter. Release it. You don't have to live in the past. You don't have to be tormented by guilt, fear, and all these things. You don't have to do that. I've got a victory for you. I've got a power for you. I'm not finished with you yet, Peter. There's still a sermon that hasn't been preached yet. None of the other disciples understand. You know who I am. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Simon Barjona, flesh and blood, has not revealed this to you. But my Father, which art in heaven and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's not over yet, Peter. Come on, you got a sermon in you. You got a message that you got to preach on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, standing up with the other 11, hallelujah, he began to preach. This is that which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet Joel. And in the last day, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Hallelujah. They looked at him and said, what should we do? It was Peter that answered. 
It was Peter who had the keys to the kingdom. It was Peter. God wasn't finished with Peter yet. And he stood up and he began to say, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I just believe in the Holy Ghost that God wants to free us from the bondage of our minds. God wants to free us from the guilt and the condemnation of our spirit. God wants to loosen us from the bond that we put on ourselves. Amen. We put that bond of guilt on ourselves. We place that bound bond of condemnation on ourselves. God doesn't. But you know what? He gives us the power just like he did David. And he gives us the power just like he did Peter. And he gives us the power just like countless people of old in the scripture and no doubt many that are living and breathing and, 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 and serving God today he gives us the power to forgive ourselves I don't know about you but I want that you may not need it Your conscience may not bother you. You may sleep peacefully at night. You may not be tormented by the mistakes of the past, even though God has forgiven you. I need it. I needed God not only to forgive me. I needed him to give me also the power to forgive others. But I also needed him to give me the power to forgive myself. There is nothing greater than repentance. True repentance is ta attached to forgiveness. Not just forgiving us ourselves, or, uh, not just God forgiving us, but us forgiving others. It's not always easy to stop condemning ourselves for the mistakes and the sins of the past. And the enemy, he is a constant reminder of our past. In fact, the scripture says it like this. It says, my adversary, the devil, he writes a book against me. That's what he says.
turn the page again. You know what the enemy of our soul is constantly but you know what the scripture says this it says the handwriting of the ordinance has been blotted out it's been blotted out it's no longer there what blots it out, Sister Tish? Blood does. The blood of Jesus. He can't see through the blood. And if he can't see through the blood, nobody else can see through the blood. And if nobody else can see through the blood, why do we quit, keep trying to look through the blood? Stop looking through the blood and allow God to give you the power to move on and forgive yourself. When the enemy reminds us of our iniquity, we need to remind him of the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 17. The apostle wrote, therefore, therefore, any man be in Christ. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. You are new. I am new. I got a new mind. I got a new spirit. I got a new heart. I don't have to live in guilt and condemnation. I don't have to allow my mind and my spirit to beat me up over every mistake I have made. It's new. I am new because I am in Christ Jesus. If we could stand. The song says it like this. My past erased. My name is changed. He changed my name. Let's testify. Hallelujah. My past is erased. My name he changed. Let's testify. Hallelujah. I believe that we can overcome the guilt of the past so that we can live in the victory of the present. Hallelujah. Like David and Peter and so many, it may not be easy, but with God, all things are possible. And He gives us. We can't do it ourselves. We have to understand that. But He gives us. The power to forgive ourselves. David, a man who had everything, God told him, if you would have needed more, I'd have gave you more. But he wanted more, so he took something he shouldn't have had. God restored the joy of his salvation and he upheld him with a free spirit and he became a man 
Scripture says it. The New Testament says it and the Old Testament says it. Acts chapter 12, I believe it says it. I've sought a man after my own heart. Peter. Peter, Peter. Why do you open your mouth all the time? Why are you the first one to speak? You're the first one to say, I won't be offended of you, God. But you were the first one to say, I don't know him either. I wish we could look into the text of the scripture and read the, read the prayer that he prayed when he went out and wept bitterly. We can't. But we can read the words of the angel in Mark chapter 16, 7 that says, go tell the disciples. And Peter. I'll be where I told you I was going to be. You'll see me in Galilee just like I promised. I'm not finished with you yet, Peter. Because let me remind somebody again, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. I'm thankful. We can't do it on our own. Therapy might help. Pulling up all the past and reliving those things so that you can have some closure. Don't get me wrong. Those things are good. But we cannot empower ourselves to forgive ourselves. God empowers us to forgive ourselves. Why? Simply because so that we can, simply so that we can leave the guilt of the past and live in the victory of the present. I want to live in the victory of the present. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My past erased. My name is changed. Let's testify. I'm thankful that God gives us the power to forgive ourselves. Hallelujah. I wish we would just lift our hands and love the Lord in this place.